Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and B.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. Well, we are back. It seems like a long time, but a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years, but one day. Today is Friday, August the, what day is it? August the 20th, 2021. Dr. Hayes, are you there in the house on this podcast today? I'm here, Dr. Cooper. So much has transpired since last we had a conversation. It seems as if uh, the Taliban has taken over Afghanistan. It seems as if we have a new variant of the coronavirus called Delta and Lambda is just around the corner. Schools are starting back in person. Uh, it, it has just been a lot going on. Um, so how you been doing, Dr. Hayes? Well, I've been doing well, considering all things. Um, my health is good, and I'm happy about that. I'm retired. I have no constraints. I'm happy about that. So the Lord is good. Praise And I just want to be what God needs for me to be in this time. And this is a an unusual time. A lot, as you say, is going on. And when we look at the world, we have to find spiritual lenses to help us to navigate and to understand and to respond in ways um, that bring light. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm, I struggle a lot because I'm. I'm wondering uh, with this most recent uh, engagement. And recognizing and realizing that Afghanistan is an ancient civilization. As a matter of fact, I think it was King Darius um, who followed King Cyrus. You know, King Cyrus was the one who allowed the Israelites to return to Jerusalem to do the to do to do the rebuilding. And King Darius, uh, I think it was around five thirty eight BCE before the Common Era, and and and. Um, you know, just realizing that geographically, Afghanistan uh, is situated on a continent called Asia. I think to the southern border of Afghanistan is China. Uh, part of Afghanistan is also touching Pakistan. And Pakistan was originally um, part of the India uh, uh, country, the subcontinent of India. And Pakistan became Pakistan in honor of a location for uh, our Islamic brothers and sisters uh, who were of Indian descent. And I believe um, 
it, it's it's interesting when you think about the continent of Asia. We don't often think about uh, the countries that comprise the continent of Asia, uh, and I I'm amazed that folks who won't don't realize we have seven continent continents, and on those continents are various countries, and on the continent of Asia is the country Afghanistan. Interestingly enough, though, if you if you looked at the map, uh, you would see that everything fits perfectly around the largest continent in the world, and that is the continent of Africa, almost like a puzzle piece, right? Uh, if you if we could crunch all the countries together, uh, um, uh, they would touch the motherland, the largest continent. And the Mercata map has done a great disservice in shrinking the continent of Africa, undisputed, the diaspora um, from the origins of humankind millions of years ago uh, have its roots, thousands of years ago, have its its uh, connector right there in the motherland on the continent of Africa. So I, I'm just, uh, I just really... I don't know if I want to get into the geopolitics or the religious context and and understanding that uh, the father of all nations, the patriarch Abraham, is significant in the monotheistic as well as the polytheistic traditions. It's amazing, right? Um, how uh, and and I, and I I just don't understand how we can't coexist. Um, that there is enough space literally for all of God's creation. Dr. Hayes, come on, help me out. Well, that's somewhat the quandary I'm experiencing because we know that we've all um, proceeded from one family, the family of God, and we all have the same needs as human beings. As what everyone needs, if uh, some would just not be so greedy, and I think that the uh, the temptation to want to overpower others and to acquire for oneself more than one will ever need has kind of overtaken our world, and uh, I was just. Just, just an aside, I was looking at some interaction between two monkeys on uh, Facebook. One monkey was a little larger, obviously a, a little older than the other. And there was a human being who was feeding both of them. But when the, the spoon was coming to the little one, the bigger one uh, moved over to that spoon to take away from the little one. When the big one was getting fed as well. And I and, and it struck me because it was such a symbolic representation of humankind in many places where the big or the strong or the bully seeks to even though they have all they need for themselves, seeks to take even what is for the little guy, for the little person, for the weaker one. Away from them, I do not understand it. I think it's the preponderance of evil in the world 
that creates this kind of greed. And at the foundation of everything that's wrong in the world, as they say, just follow the money. It's this whole idea of wanting more than you need to be in power over other human beings. I can't explain it. I just know that it is. It's troubling um, because I think that it was Jesus who, who I know it was Jesus who gave us the this model prayer that included in this model prayer that has been contextualized in various cultures. Um, you know, this idea of give us this day our mm-hmm. daily bread, that somehow all that we need is what this day, this day's provision, because tomorrow is not promised. And and I wonder how how does it happen that we can gain the whole world and lose our soul? How is it that so many spend so much time and energy acquiring, dominating, oppressing for whatever perception of prosperity or gain, whether that's with oil, whether that's with paper currency called dollars, whether that's with natural other natural resources besides oil, like rubies and diamonds and platinum, pearls, or if it's for, for fame, uh, to get likes through social media or to become a superstar, whatever that, whatever that means. And at the end of the day, I heard one of my relatives say that if a person could say someone, one of my, my dad's uh, first cousins, said that, impart this wisdom to his son, who said, if a person can say another person was a good person when they are no longer physically on this earth, that is a testament of character. And that just touched my soul to the core because it's always a hope that someone remember the good. We want to be on the side of, of good energy. Like, like who was your favorite teacher? And when we say, I ask that question, you get a great response of a favorite teacher. And on the other hand, if I ask, well, who was your least favorite teacher? You get a visceral response and we remember but that good teacher created something that piqued a curiosity that's still part of the consciousness today. And so our hope is to at least be on the continuum of goodness, good energy. The good energy that we can pray to and remember and emulate. In fact, most world's religions have tenets of their faith how to be good, how to do good. Do not wish for others what you would not wish for yourself. That's a golden rule that's in Buddhism, 
and Islam, Judaism, Christianity, Hinduism, you name it. Or no ism at all. <laughs> or any ology. Study of faith. And that is the foundation of peace and harmony. To always consider the other as equal to the self. And when we arrive at that place, then we can be at peace with one another. But until we get there, I think it's incumbent upon those of us who are teachers in the world to work hard at teaching that fundamental principle to as many people as we can uh, gather around us to help them understand that it is in seeing the other as equal to the self that we arrive at the place of peace, which is the desired place. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. In other words, we reflect uh, the value of our creator when we get to that place of peace where the other is equal to the self. I think, I think in so many ways there's this uh, misappropriation of imagination where fears are fed by, by the unknown, by what could happen, what will tomorrow bring, what does my future look like. And we miss today mm-hmm. because it is what we do today that will determine where we are tomorrow. I, I fully believe that when we correctly utilize the opportunities of today, tomorrow can be nothing but better. But because we have misappropriated our imagination to create these visions of loss and of scarcity, and someone else will have more than we have, and someone else will... Uh, achieve more than we do and and I think it just comes from a a really uh, bad place that many of us have embraced as the place to be from day to day and I I just think that teachers are going to have to up their game and do more to help people understand the fundamental principles of successful living and 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 I want to push back because that's a lot of responsibility on teachers when parents are the first teachers. That it has to be in a home. And 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 when we go to educational spaces, it's just reinforcement of what's shared in a home. I remember there is a book, I think it was part of Esau's Fables, and this one was um, a story about being nice to spiders because spiders have spaces in this world also, part of the ecosystem, that if we can be nice to spiders, we can also be nice to each other. And I think about this phrase of uh, in Hinduism uh, that uh, that I think was also a backdrop for Gandhi's work, even though Gandhi didn't really 
care much much about the untouchables or the Dalits. He was more concerned about liberation from the British, which seems crazy, right? A subcontinent being subjugated to the oppression. And he was really concerned about being liberated, just like the Afghanistans wanted to be liberated from the United States. Did I say that? Uh-oh, uh-oh. But anyway, this is from Hinduism. What sort of religion can it be without compassion? You need to show compassion to all living beings. Compassion is the root of mm-hmm. all religious faiths. Compassion. Compassion. How have we lost it? How do we not care? And I think well, that's it's, what it's, compassion. It's in us. Yeah, yeah, compassion is being with a person, being on an equal plane with people, and that's that's basically what I was saying. Uh, that we see ourselves in the other. That's what compassion is. I can feel what you feel because I am like you. And at, at whatever moment in time we experience uh, that feeling, we, we retain the ability to feel. And we feel that with others because of our own experience. How do we feel? I have a, um, it's interesting. I have a great niece, Bella, who has been adorning her appendages with man-aids. That's what she call them. They're band-aids. And so I I was curious one day. I saw her on FaceTime, and she had a band-aid on her little finger. It was a picture uh, that, that she had picked some tomatoes with her mother. And she had a Band-Aid on her finger. And so naturally, I said, is Bella okay? Did she hurt herself? The next day, she had one on her arm. <laughs> and I asked the question, is Bella okay? She's got a, you know, a Band-Aid on her arm. She's, she's equating wearing a Band-Aid, I think, because she may have seen one on her mom or dad. But that Band-Aid is a signal of pain. And if we ignore the pain and suffering and struggle of others that we can obviously see because it's bandaged up. When we remove that Band-Aid, the oxygen helps to form a scar that sort of builds a protection so that it won't risk being hurt again. Dr. Hayes, I think that we have covered up with a Band-Aid, not even hurt. Or we have lost the care to even ask the question. I see the Band-Aid. I was curious. Did she hurt herself? What's the signal that humans are showing the trauma, the hurt? Somebody hanging from an airplane 15,000 feet in the air to escape the possibility? You, you, You would rather jump from here to hurt yourself? This thing is deep. The pain. Well, I, I think that I, I think that uh, they that was a uh, as much as anything else a plea for help or consideration, and uh, they still see the United States as a compassionate people. 
because that's been their experience. Otherwise, you know, you know, so, and I'm talking about on the human level, I'm talking about the relationships that have been built between uh, citizens of the United States and citizens of Afghanistan, that over time they have developed um, relationships of care. And, and that's one of the reasons why the understory is how so many of the um, the military people are trying to get those persons of, uh, of Afghanistan who helped them through the process, who, became, who befriended them and told them what they needed to know from, a, from their own culture that would help them and enhance their ability to do their job. It, it's amazing uh, what happens at that level, at the human level, not the bureaucracy, not the military, you know, uh, protocol, all of those things that are in place as structures to promote, uh, you know, the, the plan or the program, but at the human level. And I think that, that there are those understories that we will continue to hear in the days ahead. And, and I want to go back to the Band-Aid analogy that, the healing is a process and there is a point in time where a bandage is necessary. Uh, but there is a, there is a, a limit to the time that the bandage is really going to do what needs to be done. And uh, we know to protect the open wound, we, we put the bandage to, to, to uh, prevent any further healing or contamination. But at a point in time, as you say, you have to take the bandage off to allow uh, the oxygen to heal and to create a, a drier situation to cover over again. The scab is part of the healing. It's part of that protective uh, part of healing that there are there's a, a space in time where the person who's been hurt has to be protected. And um, there will come a time when the scab will fall off little by little. And you'll see that the wound has been put back together. That open space has been closed up. And that's what we, we always, you know, want closure. We use the term we want trying to get closure. How can we come to a place in the healing process where we're able to to move on or move back to a, a, a normalcy that allows us to keep on uh, being productive people. I don't know. There's so much um, involved in, in the world in the, and in our interactions with people. But I think you're right. Compassion uh, is is the foundation of peace and healing. And if we don't have compassion, shame on us. Because all of us have been hurt in one way or the other. And when we're hurt, we need help. If there's no one to help, the chances of our healing on our own are slim to none. 
Yeah, and as you were talking, and as we wrap up this segment from a long time coming, I think of the prophetic proclamations of the lyrical theologian that I like in his songs in the key of life, Stevie Wonder. Just want to play a little bit. Um, and the song is entitled Love's in Need of Love Today. And I think that it is um, befitting on so many ways as a way, as a reminder that um, we need love. We need compassion. We need care. We need healing. There's so much. And I just want to um, sample this little clip and encourage anyone who is listening to Pull up Stevie Wonder's songs in the key of life because it speaks for us right now. Um, Love is in need of love. And on that note, Dr. Hayes, that's where we're going to end it today. All right, Dr. Cooper. It's been great. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in.